Hello, everyone. It's so good to be here and to see all of these wonderful, lovely people that I love so much. Um, I got a chance to stay at the Ramadays last night, which was so lovely. We went to the top of the park and heard some good music. Um, I've really been enjoying the series Emily and Ken have been preaching on um, with birds and how they might connect us to the divine. So before I um, tell um, the stories that I was preparing, um, I thought I would tell some bird experiences with you first. So um, we've been living with my mom and dad in the house that I grew up in for the last six months. We did buy a house, um, finally, which in this market is kind of a miracle, so yay for the Schaefers. Um, we're moving next weekend, so that, that's exciting. Um, but recently, over the spring, we were not my dad's only tenants, um, living rent-free and um, getting to mooch off of his generosity. He was thrilled that finally, after a couple of years of putting up a birdhouse on his tree, they finally had a bird family in there um, and laying some eggs. And um, I would come into the kitchen where our, we have a glass sliding door that looks out um, to where my mom has strategically placed lots of suet and bird feed and things like that so that we can enjoy the birds um, over there. And he would be sitting like this with binoculars <laughs> looking into the treehouse. And he constant it was just, it like enveloped his free time. He was so dedicated to the success of this bird family and seeing these baby birds hatch and, and um, become um, independent and fly off um, for their next life of adventure. So um, I remember Hope said she even, my daughter, Hope, she said one time he was closing the blinds at night and he said, good night, my little birds. <laughs> so just to see someone, um, a mid-60s um, man who, who is just tender and so um, full of awe about something so simple as, uh, you know, something that happens all over the place. And um, it just was contagious to us too. And we just all were kind of caught up in this simple joy um, of connecting with, um, with birds like that. Um, and then just again recently, um, I was at my mother-in-law's house. We go over there about once a week for, for dinner. And she's been widowed for about three years now. Um, my father-in-law, Jim, passed away in early 2019. Um, but we saw that a cardinal came and sat on her back porch. And she said, oh, look, it's Grumpy coming to check in on us and make sure we're okay. And Jim's grandpa nickname was Grumpy or Grumps, which if you knew him, it was the perfect fit. Um, but I was just so grateful for that opportunity that I could remember Jim and feel close to him. Because, um, you know, oftentimes it, it doesn't always come up. And just that invitation that that bird gave Deb to feel close to, to her, the love of her life, um, and, and for us to, to just feel like, yeah, he's still with us and he still cares, you know, like just feeling that presence was beautiful. So those are my bird stories. Um, and then today, um, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to get to share a couple of my songs with you. Um, so that'll be kind of a, a larger meditation time that we'll have together and, um, wonderful Blue Ocean Worship Band, um, is going to be helping with that, which is so exciting. 
And um, so I'm going to share kind of the creation of those songs and how they came to be. Um, songwriting has been part of my life for about 10 years now. And I was self-taught on the guitar. I just kind of picked it up. And, um, and then for Christmas one year, we were trying to do homemade gifts um, in a group of my, my cousins. And I got my grandma as the person I was supposed to make a gift for. And I don't sew, and I, I don't do a lot of crafty things. <laughs> and I was like, well, I try to write a song. Like, I just... Like, how do you do that? And then it just kind of came, you know, and, and that was my first experience. Um, and it's always been vulnerable and mysterious and not controllable. It's just something that I just catch a glimpse of a song, um, wait, wait for the rest of it to come along. Sometimes it takes a year for, the, for it to be complete. And some of them, they're just there. And it's like, okay, I guess I'll put this on paper and, and start playing it. And it's part of my life I, I feel very grateful for. Um, it feels like I'm participating in something that includes me, but transcends me as well. It's very, um, uh, just really grateful for those experiences. Um, so the two songs that I'm going to share today, one of them is called Psalm 61, Lead Me to the Rock, which is the um, scripture reading. The five verses that Noah read um, are kind of the inspiration for that. And that, th that song's theme is perspective. And then the second song is called I Am Here, and it focuses on presence. So just like any good sermon, we've got an alliteration, perspective and presence, you know. <laughs> I didn't really plan that, but it's always kind of handy when that happens. Um, and I kind of have to jump around with different ideas because that's kind of how songwriting happens sometimes. So I hope you can enjoy that journey with me. So we'll start back about a year and a half ago, I think. I, over, obviously, everybody, there's been like a time warp, so I'm not really sure. Was it January 2020, 2021? But you understand. Um, so that year, I had agreed to read through the Bible with my sister um, on the same like pattern or schedule that she was using. And I didn't get all the way through, but I gave it a good shot. You know, we all try. And, um, and, but I did make it at least 61 days in. I know that because on the schedule we were using, there was a psalm for each day, and it just went through the psalms. So when I came across Psalm 61 a couple of months in, it really stuck with me. Um, and I just thought, I need to like chew on this for a while and, and really let it marinate. So I read it in a lot of different translations. And then, as you do, I wrote a little paraphrase of it on a little index card, put it up on my refrigerator so I wouldn't forget about it. And um, this is what I took away from, from those, that psalm that I, that I had on my fridge for a couple of years. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I want to dwell in you, God to find shelter and protection in your wings. There's a bird um, imagery there. I have pledged my life to you, and you have given me a story, a history, a heritage. Who I am is in you. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So I had that on my fridge and just didn't think much, you know, it's just there when I open, you know, the door, it's there. Well, a few months pass, so that was probably end of February, early March. Um, and during that summer, I had um, 
participated in a few high-quality Blue Ocean book groups. So if you have never experienced one, I highly suggest them. Um, and the, the one that we did was on The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, and then the other one was called After by Dr. Bruce Grayson. And so there's just little parts of these two books that kind of came together in culmination of the process of, of this song being born. So um, the first one was The Righteous Mind, and the tagline for that book is, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. So, you know, really easy stuff there. <laughs> so, hey, um, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. It's H-A-I-D-T, Jonathan Haidt. He talks about all the underlying reasons and values and decisions and experiences that influence our beliefs and how we vote and who we identify with. And one of these ideas he talks about is called the hive switch. And in this section, he shares um, this idea that he, he likes to say humans are about 90% chimp and 10% bee. So that 10% bee is where this hive switch comes into play. That we as humans are conditional hive creatures. We have the ability to transcend self-interest and lose ourselves temporarily and ecstatically in something bigger. Um, and we can channel these collective emotions through dancing or singing together. One of my favorite things to do is go to Zumba classes. I love the fact that there's someone else that is the leader that I can kind of turn my brain off and my body will just follow along with whatever that is doing. And then, you, you know, you just feel this collective, like, experience together. Um, love singing together um, in places like this. Um, and we can also experience this through all of nature um, as well, but it is primarily focused on this change in perspective we get when we feel part of this greater whole, united with others. Um, so I'm sitting on my back deck in the middle of the summer reading this part, and this little index card on my fridge spring into my mind, and I just was like, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I just, that was it. There was a song right there. I didn't know what else it was going to say, but that, that was that part there, right from the psalm, um, uh, popped out at me. So the hive idea was telling me something about this rock perspective that the, the psalmist was, was using this imagery of being, you know, on a high mountaintop or somewhere where you could see further than you can see on your own, I think. Um, it's a place where we can see more clearly who we are, what we're a part of, and what we're here for. And this perspective helps us see um, wider, deeper, and um, it's just, it's not really about a private experience alone with God, but something that we can experience by realizing how much we belong to others. And that's what I was learning about with this hive switch as well. Um, and I, I kind of, connected it again um, with the core truth in Ubuntu. The Archbishop Desmond Tutu has taught me a lot about that um, value of not, we really cannot be human on our own, but being human through relationship, um, that we're in a delicate network of interdependence. Um, Ubuntu, I am because we are. And this is really powerful stuff, and there's a lot to be considered here when we're talking about such strong force of influence. Um, and Haight does write about how this can be used in a manipulative way. 
You know, when we are a part of these groups, sometimes if power or control are the ends that people are seeking, they can use this hive switch in a way to silence people or make people feel like they have to somehow give over part of their self in order to belong to this hive, this community. Um, so instead, the, this can also be used to, instead of coercing and dominating, liberating and loving. Um, and the key to avoid abusing this is, um, hate says, to de-emphasize hierarchy and encourage community which I think is a good place to start. I think there's a lot more involved in that. Um, and um, something that I really appreciate about this community um, is that it, I've always felt like um, there's a lot of intention um, before entering into an immersive hive experience that we respect each other's personal agency and autonomy. Um, I was so thankful to work on staff here for a few years and just knowing all those conversations that we had when we were talking about, you know, ha having, preparing for worship experiences, um, just the amount of um, awareness of like, we don't want to control people. We want to invite people into something on their own free will to participate in it. Um, and so I think that the ability to continue to think and self-define doesn't have to be lost in order to feel this belonging and uplifting from being with one another. And we still can experience the benefit um, of the goodness of these hive moments. And I think to avoid them altogether because of fear of manipulation or coercion means that we're missing out on a big part of life together. Um, so when I think of Psalm 61 and I sing the song that I'm going to be singing in a little bit, I'm brought to a place where I feel free to experience the fullness of God's love and see deeper into it and to become united with other humans on the journey and doing all of that without leaving any part of myself behind. So learning about this was the ignition that kind of started this song. Um, and then I was reading After by Dr. Bruce Grayson in another Blue Ocean book group. Um, and they, in this book, he explores what near-death experiences reveal about life and beyond. Never would have picked this book up on my own. So that's another bonus of being a part of a group, book group is that you read things that maybe you wouldn't have done on your own. Um, and I've never had a near-death experience myself, but I was so encouraged by this book and the many people that Grayson interviewed who had. So during near-death experiences, there was um, surprisingly extreme clarity in thought and senses were more vivid than ever before. One interviewee described it as seeing the inner light of all the growing things. I love that. I think that's wonderful. Time, sent, time seemed to slow down or um, it even felt like they were outside of the flow of time. And once again, this tune started dancing around my head Something about what these people were experiencing in these near-death experiences brought me back to that rock in the psalm, um, that perspective. Once again, I was, you know, connecting to something else about um, being on a rock that is higher than I. And um, one common aspect of the life or near-death experiences was a life review. 
People see the span of their whole life, the good and the bad, things that they had forgotten about or even never really knew consciously. Um, and this bigger picture, this wide-angle view of their life brought meaning and understanding without judgment, which I think is a big, big key. Uh, one person said that love neutralized my judgments against myself. And I feel like that is um, something we all could, could enjoy um, or benefit from. They saw their whole life story, and love had the final say. And in this psalm, there's a line that talks about, um, you give me a heritage. And when I think of a heritage, I think of a life story. Um, you've given me a story. My life is held in your love. Your love tells my story. And when we let love tell our story, any judgments or condemnation or shame that has been trying to control the narrative is silenced, and love has the final say. Love wins out. So ultimately, the most encouraging message from this book was that when these people were so close to death, um, in the shadow of death, overwhelmingly, it led to an enhanced sense of meaning and purpose in life, an increased joy in everyday things, decreased fear of death, and a greater sense of interconnectedness among all people. And so, in a way, I'm imagining this psalmist when they say, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint, even in the shadow of death, when I feel so far away and I'm down to my last gasp or my last breath, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And it's reassuring for me to know that those who have had such experiences, who have been in the shadow of death, are more aware of this presence of the sacred and divine in their lives afterwards. Um, someone in, describes it as a drop in the ocean is the essence of the ocean, though not the whole ocean. The, ho the ocean is not complete except for the presence of every single drop of which it's composed. And that is how I related to the light and sound in which I was immersed. That was their near-death experience. And they didn't always use the label God when they were describing these events. But what they did consistently um, report was peace, calm, love, being held by something greater than themselves. So that connects to the idea of refuge to me. I want to rest in you, God, in the shelter of your wings. And this is a really important book for me to read at this time of my life. Um, right now, my kids are 12 and 10 years old and they ask a lot of good questions. And oftentimes things that I myself have only questions, not answers um, for. And they have experienced the loss already at their young age of a dearly loved aunt, my husband's sister, um, and also their, their sweet grandpa, Jim, that they were very close with. For the first seven years of our marriage, we lived right beside Jim and Deb, and um, they were always just right there with grandpa and grandma. So I'm thankful that they had that time with Jim. So death is already part of our shared story together as a family in a very real way. And I've gotten hard questions from my kids because of that, ones that I don't remember necessarily asking as an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old. Um, but I have tried to resist leaning on certainty that is very brittle in the end, um, rather than 
the mystery that is um, what's really holding it for me. Um, and so when I contemplated on this challenge of trusting in the power of love and letting that be enough to cover over the mysteries of death and beyond, I just longed for the presence of God, not just for my own personal sense of comfort and peace, but for that to be there for my kids, um, this, this presence um, of love of God when they need it most. And so um, I'm, I remember thinking about this and struggling. I think I had just put the kids to bed, and it was one of those nights where the questions were being asked. Usually it happens right at night when I'm just like exhausted and can't really, you know. Um, but I was down in my kitchen and I, I heard another song pop into my head. Um, and it was in the, um, it was God speaking to me. And it said, I know you've seen so many things that make you wonder if I even exist. So that was interesting. It was God talking to me about whether God exists. And I, I loved that. It's like God was like, I know, sometimes it's really hard, isn't it? Um, and as the song kept growing, it turned into this persistent promise of presence, reassurance. I am here. You are not alone, which is something we say at the end of every service here at Blue Ocean. Um, you are loved. You are mine. So that's what I tell my kids in these situations. Um, not really a cut and dry answer. Um, no, 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 um, you know, solid, I know exactly what happens. You don't have to, you know, ever question or think about it. Um, but it's just this presence of love that comforts me when I don't know how to make sense of things. And it's a love that I can push against when I'm angry, um, when I see hate and injustice and hurt that I see in the world. And I, I can push against it, and it continues to stay. It never leaves. So um, I think this is a good time to just let the songs speak for themselves. Um, we're going to play these two songs, and this can be a time of meditation for you. Um, you're welcome to follow along with the lyrics in the bulletin. Um, and we're going to start with the Psalm 61, Lead Me to the Rock, and then we'll go into I Am Here. And I just have a little wiring that I have to do, so bear with me while I get ready for that.
Thank you, everyone.